0: Welcome back for another edition of the Big Red Lily Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, alongside Alex Stengel tonight. How are you, man? What's up, Jacob? How are you? We finally have gotten the technology figured out. We told people last time we were going to have this figured out. Things were going to start working great. It was great. As soon as we got off of that show, I think that was on, on Monday or Tuesday, all of the news in the world that related to Louisville basketball and transfers unfolds, and we are stuck here trying to figure out how to make our microphones work. I should say I'm stuck here trying to make my microphone work. You're trying to talk me through it. I, I maybe wanted to throw my computer through the wall a couple of times. My wife would probably tell you I used a couple of uh, potty words, even with Uh-oh, my frustration of my yeah, right. So, but we're here. We got to figure it out, and it's a beautiful thing.
1: We're here, and I yeah, I'm glad I could be there for moral and technical support uh, during times in need. But, you know, you, you know, didn't
0: you didn't judge me for my anger, and I think that's what I appreciate you most for.
1: I think the podcast came out stronger on the other side. It is. And
0: well, tonight's going to be a good show. We've got a lot to talk about, Surprise! Right. That's the whole
1: thing. Like, fate has it. All the shit broke at the right time. And as soon as your technological issues subsided... We have plenty of Louisville news to discuss. Before we
0: jump into that, I want to start with uh, something a little bit off-topic, I would say. It's Louisville-related, but in terms of sports, I don't think it has much meaning. But I saw this morning that Lamar Jackson unveiled a new tattoo, which I guess when you're famous, you can unveil a tattoo. I just turn around and show my wife, and she's like, oh, that's cool. I take a picture, I post on social media, like eight people like it. But Lamar Jackson unveils a tattoo... And I want to ask you, how much money would I have to pay you to sit and have that tattoo done in one sitting?
1: Oh, someone who still has yet to get their first tech. I mean, how long? First off, how long are we talking? Because, I mean, that thing looks Huge. So I mean I would think at least what over twelve hours minimum. Uh, you know I don't I wouldn't say like that's 12, one of those like it would have to be in like stages
0: right. It, right. So for those who ha- who can't see it, it's a tattoo that spans across his upper chest, shoulder to shoulder. So, um, I I would say yeah that probably was done over multiple sessions, but somewhere between six to eight hours I would estimate. I could be way off on that on both sides. I could be way over or way under. But I will tell you from what I know, which is very minimal compared to this in terms of a, a chest tattoo, is a chest tattoo does not feel great, uh, especially when you start to get into the spot in between uh, your pectoral muscles uh, where the – like kind of bone, your chest bone right in the middle there. That is excruciating, and he's got a football right in the middle of that. Yeah, <laughs> right? I, It shows I, I how honestly, much tougher he is than me at least, Wish I'm we looking knew that at this already. thing.
1: I'm looking at this thing, and, and all I can think is – how pissed do you think A.J. McCarron is? Because I feel like this is like what A.J. McCarron like was envisioning when he did his trailer park chess piece. Wait, 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 wait. If-
0: A.J. McCarron, like Alabama quarterback A.J. McCarron? Or are you talking
1: about Oh, Johnny my God. Minton? You have no idea? I have no idea what you're you talking about. You have no idea. Oh, this is going to be amazing. Live on this podcast, I want you to Google A.J. McCarron chest tattoo right now. And then I just want to hear your reaction. Actually, I can see it. But I want you to try to vocalize it once you actually find it because this is what it reminds me of but in like a better <laughs> in a better way, right? Like this is what it should have been.
0: So his tattoo is it's I like the concept. It's it's cool, but it's very clunky and it doesn't right? help that he has a a gut which I'll, I'll tell you because I have a gut. Tattoos with guts don't look great. It's just muscles and tattoos work better than fat and tattoos. And he's well, a and I'm chubby. sure the
1: I'm sure it, it looked a lot cooler if it was finished at Alabama, being on like a championship team, than it does, you know, being backup for the Bengals. I'm sure it doesn't have like the same like pizzazz now, uh, especially since you know one quarterback is an NFL MVP, the other is. I, I couldn't so. even
0: tell you who he plays for anymore but with that chest tattoo I'm not sure he deserves to continue playing in the NFL because that thing's ugly man that looks but like something out of trailer park boys the
1: like, other thing I want to mention is that if this doesn't make Mark Ingram want to run through every single person next year for this guy I don't know I don't know what more because like he came up with the whole like I feel like they came up together with the whole trust thing right right so the fact that like you got Lamar, this dedicated to this whole mantra, this whole culture that he's already established and created in Baltimore. I mean, that's like next level, right? So right. if I'm Mark Ingram. I'm like, all right, dude, you're that's his you're, brand. He just you're ride or die. I'm ride or die now. So I mean, like, what what better way? But yeah, enough Lamar. It looks like he's doing fine,
0: just fine. Yeah, but I'm sure he is in a little bit of pain, assuming that he's coming off of getting that tattoo done recently but let's talk basketball because that's what everybody is here to talk about uh since the last time you and i recorded louisville has uh found out for sure what you and i declared we already knew which was jay scrub was not going to play for louisville at any point because of the nba makes total sense and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute uh but we also found out jordan Wara would officially uh was officially entering the nba draft not not retaining any of his college eligibility leaving uh, two more scholarships for them to fill um, and we knew at that point Louisville had ended Car- Louisville had landed Carlick Jones the the guard out of Radford uh, but we knew they needed a big man and we knew they probably needed another guard wing and I gotta tell you last night I went to bed and, and I spent a little bit of time last night kind of you know planning out content a lot next couple of days. And one of the things I wanted to get into was, okay, so where do they go? Who's available? Who's yeah. available at the graduate transfer ranks? Right. Who's, who's available at the high school level? Is there any Juco prep guys?
1: Yeah. So we were talking can, about the 2021 guys, potentially reclassifying, like right. just like, any, like, any possible case scenario that you can like piece together some, where do they turn? Right. right. Exactly. exactly. And yeah.
0: I, I, you know, over I know I've known who uh, Charles Minland is, which we'll talk about him. He's Louisville's newest commitment out of San Francisco, but I would have never thought that Louisville would even be an option and so last night when I went to bed, I had been writing and thinking about this. Where is Louisville going to get a commitment from? And my, my final thought was, all right, we're going to be in a waiting game here. It's going to be a while. We're going to wait until the next wave, whether that's uh, you know players returning back to school and then other players who thought that maybe they were going to be in a different role, transfer, or whatever the case is. Like, like last year we saw Kerry Blackshear Jr. transfer like four weeks before the season started. So like players are available late. Um, and I woke up this morning – oddly enough at like 6.30 and just happened to check my phone and the first tweet that I saw was Chris Max, uh, uh-oh L's up with a Charles Barkley gif which got me thinking I don't know why I would have thought this but the number one player in the class of 2020 2021 his name is Charles Louisville offered him several months ago he was a possible reclassifier so I'm like freaking out thinking okay that's gotta <laughs> be it and sure enough it's Charles Minland. and Charles Menland I don't know if you know this Alex but like last week I think like maybe like Saturday, maybe Friday, declared his top seven schools, uh, was, wasn't going to announce this week, was going to do the virtual visit thing and try to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, Louisville pops up on the radar. I was asleep when this happened. I don't know if you were awake last night when this happened, but... Wake up and it's like oh okay cool so we were all worried about nothing again for the second time this off season we've been freaking out and I shouldn't say we because you and I I think we've been on the same page of being collected in our thoughts of recruiting this is well, not even I, I, a vacuum I even think,
1: yeah the, like last podcast I I basically said I want to discuss anytime jay scrub comes up I just want to talk about him like he's already decided that he was going to go to the NBA. And then sure enough, like three hours later, it happens. So I'm like, good. I was like, we don't, we don't have to pretend anymore that this is still like a, a thing. Um, but one, I, I think I told you, I was super happy that, you know, Scrub's timing, I think really was the key factor here. Uh, because if he doesn't commit or doesn't announce that he's just fully going to the NBA, uh, this would have never, this chain of reactions would have never happened. because. The first thing you said about Minlin was you didn't think uh, you know, like Louisville was an option for him because we weren't. Like you just mentioned he he had a top seven, which was a great top seven by the way. Uh and I know you you wrote the article on him earlier, so I'm gonna kind of pop some questions to you since you're probably uh a, a little more of the expert on this guy right now than than I am, but it's just nuts to me that we're we're here discussing, you know, is there a recruiting you know um, not issue but but in terms of expectations with Chris Mack like do we need to mitigate expectations for how good of a recruiter he is uh and then all of a sudden overnight like you said I think now this is I was very groggy right like I, I'm pretty sure I was like on Twitter like the last thing I saw before I went to bed and and I it's one of those things like you read but it doesn't hit you right away but it was one of those things I woke up and the first thing I was like oh crap like what did I just read when I went to bed and, and sure enough, you know, it was first thing on my timeline, but but yeah, so it's, it's good to see, um, for a couple big reasons in my mind, uh, that I want to go to go over in a second, but yeah, either way, um, to your point, I think it, it at least, you know, kind of put the, let's just calm down. To the fan base real quick, just everybody just chill because, you know, Max still has this under control. There still is a plan of action. Like you just said, like you were worried. Where do we turn? What do we do? And then sure enough, you find out we still have the pool to like go in there and bully uh, for a guy we want and contend with some pretty good schools. Uh, Because like I said, that top seven is no joke.
0: Yeah, and I th- I thought that it was really interesting what you told me earlier about uh, Mark Ennis pointing out that this is you know Louisville went in and, and for the first time they weren't the ones being bullied they went and took a, a player that other schools thought that they had a firm footing with and a firm relationship with and all of a sudden Louisville's the one that came that comes in and grabs you know grabs the, the commitment and I thought that that was really interesting to see because. You know Louisville, like I said, they were they weren't involved. And and listening to the interview today with Charles Midland talking about his decision with Louisville, it was very much a hey. You know they called after Jay Scrub declared for the draft. Which how cool was it that he knew well, who Jay Scrub was? He's like, he yeah, he didn't I've even his know.
1: Games. He didn't even know he committed or he announced that he he was going to the draft because uh, the interview was awesome because he was like, why the hell am I getting a call from Louisville? Right. And right. he's like, and, and, and I love the quote that he said. He essentially uh, was like, he's like, and I'm not, not going to answer. Right. A call it's from Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. He's it's like, I'm Louisville. not going to just hang. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, one, that was the first call Mac made right out the gate. Uh, as soon as scrub announced, uh, it's, it's just good to see the, the brand still has some pull. You know, like right. it's been dragged through the mud through everything. I mean, the last like five years, we you know, empathetic as hell to our fan base because we've been through more shit than anybody else, uh, by far in my mind in the basketball world. But, but yeah, the fact that our brand can still carry weight and especially so far away because it's not like San Francisco's close to Louisville.
0: Right, but that's what gets, That's when you start to kind of pull back the layers of his recruitment and who he right. is as a player. And if you watch that video that was released today um, from Jamie Shaw, which we've retweeted on our account on Twitter from the Big Red Louie account – he talked about how, you know, he's from North Carolina, which is that's not far from Louisville at all, and he talked about how, you know, the these schools that he's going to get to play against. And I want to talk about this cuz I think this is a big thing with him and it's going to be a big story of him as a Cardinal. But he talked about how he, you know, he was hoping that he was going to hear from from programs near his hometown and and from the North Carolina area to let him come back and you know this triumphant return as a North Carolinian and um, yeah. able to to impact a program that that he grew up around and he didn't get it and when Louisville called. Um, which I think this is a role that Louisville can start to kind of develop them it, themselves into. I think that maybe they just found a niche with some players in that North Carolina, right? Region. Like the best, like the best hey, of the rest, right here. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, Duke and North Carolina aren't recruiting you. North Carolina State overlooked you. Hey, you know we've got a spot for you here in Louisville, and we get to play those guys twice a year.
1: Absolutely. And well, I mean, prove what,
0: who you who you are?
1: That was the huge selling point. Um, I mean, you when Strong was here with Louisville. You know, for right. football, With Florida. I mean, right. they yeah. loved. I mean, that opportunity to beat the crap out of Florida, and then also to turn around and play Miami because right. they a lot of kids on Louisville's team were scoring that Miami didn't take a look at them too. It's the same, you thing, had, with same yeah, and, thing with Florida
0: State. Same exact thing with Florida State. Anytime those guys get to go back to Florida, they've got a chip on their shoulders. Exactly. Uh, and how many times in that video did he talk about uh, – mm-hmm. I mean he Excuse didn't say, I have a chip on my shoulder. But you, there, is a, there is an absolute sense that he wants to come back to the ACC, to the territory where all the schools overlooked him, and he wants to let them know, look what you missed out on. And that's the type of kid – that's the type of mentality, Alex, that – You want to talk about what's going to be the difference this year. Maybe you're a little bit disappointed in Chris Mack the last two seasons. I understand losing to Minnesota is a really hard thing to swallow in his first season. Especially as the
1: last memory when you don't have an opportunity to make that up.
0: Exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, this is is a big opportunity for Louisville here with a kid like this. And this is is the kid Chris Mack wants. He wants those absolutely just uber-tough guards who are – they're not going to be stopped by anything because they've got something to prove every time they step out onto a basketball floor and and when you talk about charles midland and his impact for louisville that's where you have to start with i want to i want to make it clear this this dude is by no means jay scrub right maybe his first his last year in college and jay scrub's first year in college would have some similarities but as far as talent jay scrub is the superior athlete he's the superior basketball player he's the first round likely player for a reason but in terms of what was out on the market this is as good as chris mack was going to do and and that's not saying that this is bargain shopping this kid is talented
1: i also think long term this might be better for for the team as a whole and i know that sounds ridiculous to say right out the gate when you're when you just said jay scrub is clearly you know better score all that stuff i get that but you also mentioned the attitude in in the leadership in the mentality this guy's going to bring to this team is something that's sorely missed last year. Um, Cause I don't think that's really, we we haven't had enough grit, you know? I mean, there's a few things that max teams really characterize themselves with in, in Louisville. You know, you've had, you've had players like Sutton, like everyone always loves talking about Sutton. Like that's the kind of player Chris Mack loves. Well, yeah, but he even mentioned it. Like he doesn't have five Sutton's like, right. So, so finding, yeah. Not only, you know, the right guy, the right opportunity, the right talent, I think I'm more excited that this guy is going to bring, you know, a lot of the characteristics on the court that we would have seen from Scrub, but he's going to bring so much more in the attitude, the leadership, the mentality of the team. I think him and uh, uh, who's the other grad transfer?
0: Carly Jones.
1: Yeah, I think him and Jones. And Malik Williams, for that matter. I think those guys are all going to be on the same page in terms of setting the tone. So we instantly have some great senior, you know, deep leadership that I'm yeah. pumped about because you weren't going to get that with Jay Scrub. You're going to get, you know, a, a talented player and probably, and, you know, a lot of cool highlights on the court. And yeah, it and, really helped us who, win some games. But I right. really think in the attitude and effort part, you know, he could have gotten just as pouty as Darius Perry did, you know, and some I'm just I'm just saying I think these guys might be a better fit like men, mentally wise. Yeah. Mentality and I th- wise.
0: Exactly. And I think it when you pair them together, I mean Louisville's dude for the last two years, I mean, I hate to say it, Louisville was really talented, but who is the guy besides Dwayne Sutton that you were like that's my guy. Like we're going we're gonna go we're gonna to go to war and I want this guy on my side. Like Chris Mack got so frustrated because his team wouldn't play Defense because they weren't hitting their shots. Like that's the that's the kind of hot and cold, lukewarm uh, mentality that he. You know, I'm sure that that has been is more frustrating than anything. Is dealing with how do you right. overcome that with a group of players that you didn't recruit for the most part? Uh, and I think that this is the year where you can really start to judge Chris Mack as Louisville's coach because this team, man, this team has him written all over it. You're, right. I mean, you're talking about say, a six like foot five point are... guard. Yeah, you're, you're you're talking about you're, you've got some rough riders, some dudes that are ready to go to war, some guys playing with chips on their shoulders. Like You've got an entire team of guys who are long, athletic, can get to the basket, who play with a nonstop motor, who defensively play with the same intensities they do on offense. This team's ceiling, man. I, it might be one of the highest ceilings on a Louisville team that I can think of. I was trying to, this morning, try to okay. compare. Pump the brakes a little bit. Just, well, I'm talking about ceiling. I'm not okay. talking about well, where they'll be. We'll get into expectations. Here yeah, in a second. I was gonna say. Okay. I'm talking about just, ceiling, man. Like Look potential at it, is.
1: Well, that's because like there's so many unknowns though. Like it's not all like great upside potential. It, like it's also like concerning potential right. too. Right. Exactly. Like, it could go the opposite concerned. way. Yeah. Exactly. Like uh, you know, one, I, I do think Nickelberry is gonna uh, be a contributor, consistent contributor. I, I'm not worried about Sam. I think he's gonna have a great jump. Um, I think the biggest. To everyone's, I think everyone's biggest concern right now is Aiden, which—that's you your biggest
0: concern about this team, though. I mean, I think you're in a good spot. Considering yeah, because everyone's scholarship pumped for to
1: Withers to get a chance to break out because he's had a year to, you know, get himself right uh, body wise. So I think he's eager to prove himself and gain more minutes. Uh, but yeah, so I—I I think overall, though, another thing, you know, his commitment does, and now the fact that we have landed two grad transfers, I think it it shapes the team enough. It, it gives everyone a clear-cut picture, and it and it allows Mac to say, all right, everyone, here is the last piece we need for this team. So, like, now everyone knows, like, he's going after a center. Some way, somehow, we need a big man, and everybody knows it. So, um, you know, I was more bummed that, uh, you know, the LMU guy, um, you know, went back to school, which, good for him, uh, but we were never – I don't think any of our, our our writer group was really big. Maybe maybe Ethan was big on Harms for a minute, but like no one was really like that pumped. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sad. Uh, you know he wasn't in consideration for us, but but yeah, we, no. we obviously know what what the last piece is for this team. When just a day ago, like you were saying, like there was way more concern and way more questions to be answered than there are right now.
0: Right, and, and but the bottom line is, you know, we've learned. The makeup of what this team is going to look like in the last week, with losing Scrub, losing war officially, adding uh, Carly Jones, adding. Charles Minlin and I think that, you know, next year's team is going to be defined by their improvement of their sophomores. I think that's gonna be the the biggest storyline the entire season because you have six of them. And all six of these guys are gonna go for the most part, well, you know, David Johnson and Sam Williamson played pretty sizable roles last year, but for the most part, the other the other four guys, they're stepping into new roles that they didn't play in last year. And when you're a team that has seniors and that has uh potential and has scoring has guard you know they have everything that you would want but the biggest question mark is yeah but can these guys produce at the level that the people in front of them last year produced at this quick in their career that's going to be the biggest question because I, you just don't know I mean if you get McDonald's All-American Sam Williamson uh, and you get the Jalen Withers that Keith Otto talked about uh, to Daniel Lerner as being just this freak athlete Like, who is capable of being the best player on the team? Then that's a completely different story than if you get, you know, Sam Williamson at a nearer level of what you saw last year and a Jalen Withers who doesn't look like he's ready to play college basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's going to define the team next year. Um, And at this point, though, adding. I said all offseason when we started writing about this team, they needed to add versatile, experienced guards who can score the basketball. They got two of them, and the great thing about both of them is they can defend their asses off. And Louisville did not have a guy last year besides Dwayne Sutton. We keep saying that. Maybe Malik Williams, but there was no two-way player on Louisville's team last year.
1: Well, and even Dwayne Sutton wouldn't be as vocal as I would have liked him to be on the court. You know, and and that's the thing. Like, you're getting two... Two guys, uh, from what we've seen so far and everything research why wise we've looked at, like, they're gonna let you know about it on the court, which is awesome. Like we've been talking, like I miss having some attitudes like on the court that are just like if we're having a good night, like you're gonna know about it. If we right. make a dunk, we're gonna be yeah. in your face about it. Like we get, a, we get annoyed, like at, last year it almost seemed like we would get annoyed when other teams would do that. And the only reason I would be annoyed about it is because our team wouldn't, you know, like oh we were almost like too nice about it or too quiet about it when we right. didn't have to be sometimes.
0: Alright, so I wanna throw this at you and I'm gonna tell you that this is gonna come with a little bit of shock factor to it because of the name and the weight that it carries. But there's a guy I've watched I've I've become as much of a Charles Midland expert as I can in twelve hours, right? So this morning at six thirty. <laughs> I had watched highlights Basically obviously because, a pro. Right. You can't right. you can't write about graduate transfers and not know who you're writing about. So I've watched, I understand who he is. I you know, I knew what he did last season against Gonzaga. But here is the player that I see. Now, understand, this is college version. I'm not talking NBA person when I say this. I'm not even talking about the talent level being the same or even similar. But when I watch Charles Minland, I see Donovan Mitchell. I see a crafty rim finisher, a guy who plays downhill nonstop. Uh, His pull-up shot looks identical. Identical to Donovan Mitchell. I've been the last couple of minutes while we've been talking. I've been kind of pulling the side by side. That little
1: slash in the lane, and then like tiny step back, the fadeaway. Yeah, the
0: finish. Right. So the two handed absolutely the way that he dunks the basketball is Donovan Mitchell. Right. And the and the really crafty ability to finish around the rim in traffic. Again, I say it as it's a poor man's Donovan Mitchell. It is not even Donovan Mitchell as his sophomore season because Minlin is not a consistent three point shooter. Mitchell wasn't either, but he was he was super streaky. If Mitchell got going, you you but, were going to have a hard time stopping him. But a big but thing too is as,
1: that oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're no, on no, the I was just going to say I killed it.
0: Uh, athlete, athleticism doesn't match up. They're not he, Charles Minlin is not a freak athlete by any means. He's very powerful, very sturdy, but he's not a freak athlete. He's not going to. He's not going to be the, the guy who stands out the most, but he attacks the rim and dunks the ball like Donovan Mitchell, Montrez Harrell, And Louisville hasn't had that. They just haven't.
1: Right. It's it's almost like putting Donovan Mitchell's like moves and mentality in like a Dwayne Sutton's body, like more of a brick going through the lane. But here's the thing that I love about him, though, is that the thought process is the same as Donovan's, to where I'm going to get a hell of a lot of contact every single time I'm in the lane and I'm going to still try to finish because if I do, I'm probably going to get fouled most of the time, or I'm going to make the, the layup, you know? So, I mean, it's it's going to be really, really fun to see because we saw some crafty finishes from uh, from David Johnson last year. Sam was, was great some games uh, with putbacks, um, cleaning up the boards and rebounds. So, I mean, we're gonna see a lot of guys be a lot more active, I think. And the one thing I did notice about this guy that I really liked a lot is that he is super active. A lot of the, both these guys are really active uh, off the ball, which last year's offense made me want to pull my freaking hair out because there'd be some games and even times in big games where you would see you know Fresh or DJ dribbling at the top. No one would move. Like, everyone's just chilling, standing around for at least 10 to 15 seconds. Like, it's it's like, you know, like, you would just text me. I would be thinking, it, and you would literally text me, like, do we even have an offensive play right now? Like, what offense are we running? The and, the play
0: that the, – the, the end of the Virginia game, the last game of the season that makes you think about that all the time. Remember the possession where fresh dribbled the ball into the ground well, right, for because, 25 Jacob, we seconds?
1: Don't, we don't have that – we only had, what, one guy that could really, like – beat a guard off the dribble and and like make a move and and finish at the basket. I mean, at least DJ Johnson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would get upset and frustrated because we would miss a ton of layups. Like the amount of layups we missed last season, stupid. Uh, But at least he was aggressive, you know, like at least he knew if he slashed in, I'm going to make a great pass out to an open guy, or I'm going to just try to get fouled, make a lot of contact or finish at the rim. So we got a lot more guys with that kind of mentality, and that's when you get a dangerous team on offense. So Yeah,
0: so this <laughs> thinking about this like this might be silly, but in terms of just on paper potential, Louisville at its best next season could look very similar to what we saw against Duke with David Johnson and Malik Williams leading the way there. I mean, we, we you wrote about that game for, for Louisville being one of the biggest wins of the season, and David Johnson was spectacular in that game. So was Malik.
1: Yeah, breakout game, I think uh, 19 points, 7, yeah, like, seven I mean, assists. It was a near triple-double in Cameron Indoor the first time of his career. but As a freshman.
0: As a true freshman. When you look at what they could be, if they don't... I mean, because there's a lot of stuff, and we're going to get into it this summer, but there might not be a full off-season program compared to what they've been going through. So... the worst case scenario of what Louisville could look like next year is the final ten minutes against Miami in the season opener, where if you remember, they put the freshmen in and they just blew the lead because they weren't they weren't ready to play at the college basketball level yet. They all are talented. No, no, there's no doubt. If you put Josh Nickelberry, Sam Williamson, Aiden on, Quinn Lozinski, Jalen Withers, those guys, David Johnson out on a basketball floor, that group can beat just about anybody. Uh, but when you're a freshman and you're not ready to handle the speed of college basketball, you're not ready to play it the pack line defense like that could be what we see a lot next season and my question to you is is that okay if it's like if it comes with getting better as the season goes on like how are you going to feel if this team starts the season seven and four seven and five but by season's end they're you know they're they're, they've got a good enough record to be a, a seven eight seed in the tournament and make some noise or maybe you know a six seven seed and make some pull up a couple of upsets and make a run like we've seen Louisville teams do in the past
1: yeah, I think one, it's going to depend on big man health at the end of the season, like towards the end of the season. Because um, I think, but Malik being injury prone, like we know him to be, like I, I just get worried about that part. But I wouldn't get worried at all from the fact that we know what we're getting this year. Like we know this is kind of a rebuilding bridge year, anyways, because he's going to have to have a major recruiting class come next season regardless because you're going to have a lot of guys leaving again. So this was never, you know, in, in my mind, supposed to be like the year. I think, right? you know, what sucks is last year was, especially with the return of Jordan and Enoch, like last year was, you know, considered one of our supposed to be like the years of us going deep. And I don't know if we would have or not. No one knows because we the didn't have simulation, a simulation
0: so. The simulation says we were going to win the championship. Yeah, I dude. Think we hang a banner.
1: I, I was going to say, I saw a sweatshirt that uh, you could have it notched on there, right there with the 80-86 uh, and twenty-thirteen wins. But either way, so I, I think the other thing that goes understated about this is that when you, when you talk about getting worried early in the season, in my mind, there's a reason teams, uh, you know, not only Arizona and Indiana – Uh, Like this, this guy's offer sheet, or you know, his final seven were pretty great. But when I think of teams like Gonzaga and BYU and Butler, those are like methodical teams that have their shit together, right? Like whenever you think of those teams, like they have their stuff on the same page, like they're they're very congruent, they're very mechanical, like offensively. So like they were looking at him as a grad transfer, like you're not going to go to a place like Gonzaga or BYU or, or Butler not to be a leader, right? And I think we saw some of that with Fresh, but I think we're going to get a, a a better version of that uh, because I, I'm I'm just really high on the combo piece of the grad transfers we got. You know, um, obviously and, landing and the top the
0: fit. I mean, the fit, man. right? You, yeah, last like year, the fit Fresh Kimball's a six foot. He's a he's a six foot guard. Like that doesn't fit anything Chris Mack has ever done, and it followed more in line with uh, with what Patino had done, and it just made you wonder, like. When, like you know, when are you going to start adding guys that you typically will go after? I know Carly Jones is a smaller guy, but the attitude is there. Right. Maybe the attitude is there with Fresh Campbell. I don't think we ever really got to saw that to see that. And I think not having the tournament, maybe we would have found something else about them. But let me ask you this, and then we're going to get to the final topic of the night, um, just real quickly. If you had to put together a starting lineup, what's your five today?
1: Ooh. Today.
0: If you were going to roll out this team and play their first game of basketball tonight, who are you putting in your top five, your starting five?
1: Um, I'd probably go DJ, uh, Carly Jones, um, Sam, Withers, and then probably Williams, like just Malik at the five. Like just the, the general like – yeah. Yeah, that's probably who I'd say. Cause then you yeah. have, cause you could probably interchange like Sam and, and, and Midland pro- probably, I would think Sam and Charles are probably going to be depending on how Sam starts it. But that's, that's a good question though. Like did Sam do enough in the off season and last season to like gain a starting role? Or do you think that's going to be decided closer to the beginning of the season just to see like how the team gels in general? Cause like uh, they could do these, you know, like if, if here's the thing, a, Obviously, this is pandemic, you know, pending. But say they get to come back late summer, something like that, and just run a, you know, start doing like their their pickup games, you know, just start doing their own and little pickup games uh, within the team, just to start getting to know each other and getting a feel for each other. There might be some lineups that are just way more gelled than others. You never know. So right, I, exactly. I think it might just be a wait and see kind of deal on on the lineups. I also think Max, not one to, you know okay i'm trying to reword this better i think the minutes will be evenly distributed in the forward position how about that Is
0: yeah that i think no i think that I think you're you're spot on uh i don't know
1: For i also me, think i need to crack this beer before you do your lineup go ahead I'm it'll be have, like the
0: official entrance to my lineup
1: yes now presenting the second slam dunkle from fall city of the night There we go.
0: That was that was beautiful. So thank you. I I would probably roll out the exact same five. I think that when you're talking about Jalen Withers, man, this the ceiling is so high on what he could be. I mean, what about Nickelberry though?
1: Because like that's the you're talking about North Carolina's third, like third highest score ever coming out of high school. Like how is this kid not being more, like talked about or like generating more buzz? Well, you know, I I legit feel for him because I I mentioned to you right before the podcast. Like, do you have any do you have any realistic worry depending on how this season goes? Like, what what do you think the minutes are going to be for Nickelberry for him to be pleased with how the season went and him not to be agitated and and want to transfer? Because like you just added a grand transfer to like my position when I was supposed to have like that starting spot.
0: Yeah, but I, I think that that's a good point that you raise. But if you look at the roster, you can't – Nickelberry can't play 40 minutes. So oh, no, that's what I'm you talking about. have to
1: – I'm talking about like to his – looking at it from like his point of view is all I'm saying. Because you bring in a grad transfer, just like we talked about, like they have specific things they're looking for. They're not just a kid out of high school to where like every school recruit me Kind of deal. Like this is like I'm trying to find my fit. Here are the minutes I'm looking for. Here's what I'm trying to do. You know, like, right, here's so, the program I'm thinking of. But
0: let me re- let me read this to you. So this is Louisville's Louisville's backcourt last year. Here's their minutes played. So you tell me if Josh Nickelberry will be pleased with any of these numbers. Ryan McMahon averaged twenty-four point seven minutes played per game last season. Fresh Kimball, twenty-one point eight minutes per game. Darius Perry, nineteen point five minutes per game, and David Johnson, sixteen minutes per game. Per game flat in my opinion if we're talking about nickelberry i think that you're most likely to see him slide into that 16 to 20 minute per yeah, game that's what I, I think saying. that i think that you're gonna see a guy who some nights can give you 15 to 20 points and then you're gonna see nights where he's you know he's off shooting but uh the thing that really stuck out to me chris mack talked about josh nickelberry recently i think he was asked in one of his teleconferences you know about him and Chris Mack's talking about him as a, maybe potentially the best defender on their team, maybe the best athlete that they have. That's not two things that I really have associated and put next to Nickelberry, so I don't really think we really know. But I mean, I think it's gar- the,
1: We're talking tattoos on the podcast. I think it's right. the sleeve, man. I really do like this.
0: Exactly. He added the sleeve, and now he's more prepared to play more minutes. It's like but, Samson's I mean, hair. You, you right. look at it, though, and Louisville's only really got one true point guard on the roster in David Johnson. Carly Jones is expected to be more of the off – off the ball player because of you know he's more of a combo guard and his size will allow him to guard smaller players josh nickelberry at six foot four he has experience playing point guard and the aau circuit it's not his ideal s- fit but behind david johnson they're going to be a three man guard rotation for the most part next year right because Tra- i was going
1: to say you could you could easily have give give david a break put Carleek a point and then have nickelberry run guard yeah, right next to him exactly and, it, and it'd be totally normal It'll okay. be
0: like so when, when when David Johnson goes to the bench next season, it'll be a lot like when when uh, anybody went to the bench this season. It'll just be another guard who's not a point guard bringing right. the ball up and initiating your offense, and I think that that's proven to be fine. Uh, but I, I really like the fit of all of those guards. I like that Josh Nickelberry is going to get more playing time. I've been on the record since before last season. I think that by the time he leaves the level, at one point in his career – I'm not. I don't know if that'll be this year, next year, or if he stays for senior. I think he's going to be the best player on Louisville's team at some point. I know he will. He's going to be a star at some point. He's going to be Louisville's guy. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's this year. Um, I think.
1: I think Louisville fans honestly need to probably go back, and you should probably do your. All right, we should do your followers on the Big Red Louie account a favor, and you should probably go back and find his uh, summer highlight reel, or not his summer highlight reel, but his uh, prior to summer. Because his his highlight reel is insane, and we're, and we're talking about like a, a score in high school. And what was what was the story? The only reason his his, uh, his ranking went down his senior year is because his AAU team's point guard got or, hurt. Yeah. yeah, got hurt, and he had to take over a whole other position, which is a big big deal in AAU because kids train years in the same exact position in basketball to get drafted or to get you know a scholarship for that position. So. He took over a different role to help his team out, and his stock, you know, uh, suffered for it. But that's that's the whole reason why I think Mac was able um, to land him right out of the gate. Because I think if his stock would have remained super high, he would have probably not come out of North Carolina, in my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he reminds me a lot of Edmund Sumner, who was really good under Chris Mack and Xavier, uh, a strong. 6'4", big, lanky guard who can do a lot of things. And I think that he's going to he's gonna benefit a lot next year from not only Scrub leaving, but uh, those minutes that are left behind by the seniors. Uh, and, and his positional versatility is just going to allow him to see the floor more. But let's finish with this. We asked on on Twitter, on the Big Red Louie Twitter account, which if you're not following us, shame on you, at the Big Red Louie on Twitter. It's where you can find us there, a lot of good stuff. Tonight we asked the questions, knowing what you know today, not... not when they add another big guy, I'll make a decision. But knowing what you know today, assuming the roster is final today, what are your expectations? Put put a – let me let me hear you put something on it right now. What are the expectations for them in 2021? Is it hopeful to just make the tournament, final four? Where, where are they specifically in your mind right now?
1: Okay. So I totally get now what you're saying in terms of looking at ceiling and potential because now that I'm thinking about – with all the sophomores, well, they on, could be good. What yeah, happened? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah d- right. D- depending <laughs> on who makes the job. I'm gonna go. Uh, I can easily see them going, you know, second weekend in the tournament, or I can also see them being a fringe, um, you know, barely get in there as like a like a ten seed or something, like you know, like a scrunch team in the ACC, mm-hmm. last spot kind of deal. Uh, maybe play our way in from like the conference tournament or something. But um, but yeah, honestly, I. I think it honestly just depends on the sophomores, man. Like, there's so many there, – we've already talked about the mistakes that we think Mac made with some of the now sophomores last season. You know, like there might have been another person we could have redshirted, possibly, um, for development. So, you know, there's there's stuff like that. He's not perfect. I think, to your point, you always remind people that he's a younger coach. He's not a he's not a Rick Pitino when he came to Louisville like coming from the NBA kind of stuff like he did great things at Xavier but he's also still learning like that's that's honestly the exciting part about him and Satterfield like we got these guys at their at their you know rising star stage to where they're still awesome but they're also still figuring stuff out every now and then you know right where.
0: I think we said it a couple of months ago We're we're the thing that fans have to understand is, like you said, he's not an NBA coach who's, you know, won a championship at the college level and is a Hall of Famer already. Like, he's still
1: gaining clout for his name. Right. In, he, in college. he like, he's not a big. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like his name doesn't throw weight around like Patino did when he came back to Louisville. Like people got to understand, like, I, I love the forums and the boards and the skies falling every day. Like, how come he can't do it? Like like rick did and it's it's amazing how we whitewash history sometimes because apparently patino is perfect in every aspect um when it comes to recruiting and games and winning right but, because the
0: greatest person in louisville is always either the next coach or the coach before right the, the one you have absolutely. can That's never be good fantastic enough line
1: yeah great point but yeah to i think it, it easily could go you know top 25 team i think right now with the two grad transfers they've already landed where I, th- I think we're going to be like a You know, 20 to 25, maybe. Starting at, uh, like, fringe top 25-ish, I would think. And then, like, we have to prove ourselves to actually get ranked. I could see that happening. But, yeah, so it's not going to be, like you said, it's not going to be glamorous like if Jay Scrub would have put on a uniform for us and and kept that commitment. But I do think it's going to help the team overall because these guys get to practice with our sophomores every single day. So when this team does get to come together, their attitudes are going to start rubbing off on these guys, and I think you are going to see a different mentality coming out uh, for year three with Chris Mack.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. If you you ask me today expectations, I think for me as of right now, this is a this is a first weekend team. I think is where I, I think that the ceiling is really high on this yeah, team. Yeah, that's fair uh i think that the one player that i the the two players that i know of what i'm getting next year i feel like and i could be way off of this but i feel like i know what i'm getting out of david johnson and malik williams everyone else is a question mark of some some form or fashion none bigger than samuel williamson who i mean i think that he's got to be a top 25 to 30 player in college basketball for this team to be you know really really good like they need him to be an NBA player next season, to be the next Donovan Mitchell, to be the next uh Terry Rozier, the next guy who goes as a sophomore and makes that jump from year 1 to year 2. Um and right now I think that what I saw from him, I think he's really good, but I'm not sure he's great. Uh and with that in mind until I, you know, I think that right now with this roster and knowing what I know, I think that that they're I just think that they need another year to yeah. to get there. They need another well, year. Well, he also just
1: seemed like he played timid a lot. You know, like he, you saw some flashes of greatness from Sam, uh, in a lot of games, but he yeah, also looked Miami timid a lot game of games. Was, it was, it was, it was weird. Like, yeah, like sometimes the first game of the season, do play right. carefully We're like,
0: we're like, oh, he's gone, NBA. He's yeah, NBA. I was like, this is going to be well amazing. De- you might as well just go ahead and de- just call it
1: now, Sam Williams. Is right. Be I looked the top at you and I was day. like, all right, we're booking the final four trip. It's happening. Right, and then just you based off that, and then yeah, he, you know, he just kind of got timid. Two weeks and, later, yeah. two weeks
0: later, he'll give you four points against northern iowa state and against the guys that you're like man like you dropped 30 in aau non-stop these guys aren't even close to that like and that's where the whole learning college basketball thing is going to come in so right. all right man it's been a, it's been a good show thankful we have something to talk about we're not just sitting here staring at each other yeah, right. right like we just
1: did yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly
0: like we just did we just made eye contact and didn't let go for that that little bit of silence so but uh, I swear
1: to God, Jacob, if we in this podcast and your mic or computer just somehow go haywire again, because I'm not going to make any more commitments to, to people listening to probably like our handful of followers about, you know, like, oh, we're going to have a every other day podcast. And then, you know, you just decide to crap out. Look, man, I so. have
0: pi- I have pictures now. OK, things are sure you got photographic
1: evidence of, of how everything okay. should be set up. So exactly. All i better right, be well, talking well, to you in a couple of days.
0: Yeah. But hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get the equipment working and we'll be back to talk Louisville sports in a few more days.
1: Absolutely. And also I was going to say if anybody on the big red Louis podcast, uh, or like Twitter account, if any ideas are welcome, because right now everybody, you know, we have plenty to talk about. We have nothing to talk about. So if there's any specific sports topic, Louisville related, let us know. We'll be happy to discuss it on here since, uh,